On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Robert Berry of 3.2. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we welcome back to the show Robert Barry of 3.2. Wonderful. All right. Well, gentlemen, we are very, very pleased to once again welcome back to Progressive Palaver, one Robert Berry. That's right. The uh, and, and I'll quote him from his own website, the Grammy-nominated recording Uh-oh. artist, songwriter, producer, and performing musician. Um, with, you know, as, as we've already discussed, with, um, you know, experience in Hush, Ambrosia, December People, which we talked about in our, uh, our Christmas episode, Alliance, the Greg Kin Band, and perhaps most, uh, most timely for us right now, 3.2. And so first out of the gate, and we already talked about this off air, but Robert, a, thanks for coming on board, and B, congratulations on uh, third impression charting on not one, but two Billboard charts this week. Cheers, my friend. Well, thank you. I I was surprised. It, You know, the last album got in the Billboard charts, but it took a few weeks. This has been out a week, and I uh, woke up, and there was an email from the record company. Hey, it's a good day. It's Monday, right? What? It's on the billboard. Actually, they said it's on the charts. They sent me the numbers. So I sent back an email. I said, because they're in Italy, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, well, I, I probably put this uh, on the internet. Uh, what charts are they on? I mean, is there something I can attach it to? Thinking, you know, it's uh, the romper room uh, kid <laughs> show chart. <laughs> 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 And they, they just sent back billboard with an exclamation point, like, what kind of dummy are you? <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's good. That's a good day. That is a good day. Yeah, it was it was because we um, we were having a little, you know, uh, prep session yesterday and we'd we'd gotten off our call. And I guess you had just posted on Instagram or, or Paul had seen it after yeah. we were done. So we, immediately after we finished up our stuff, he, he sent us the uh he sent us the screenshot. We're like, "Oh, this is awesome!" So we've had the uh, the material for a week and just been super, super enjoying it. I mean, I, I just, I, you know, I don't want to gush too much, but I think it is absolutely <laughs> spectacular. Uh, I mean, it's it's been it's been a, a very enjoyable week for me musically. I I have to say that I was a little worried about this album. I, I had two things I was trying to do. I was first of all, the rules that changed when we talked before did really well. And um, I wasn't expecting it to do as well as it did, but since Keith died in the middle of it, I thought it would be least embraced with open arms, but you never know, and it was, and people loved it, you know, which I was like, wow, I'm so glad I finished it. Record company says, you know, we put out lots of albums, and you guys get everything from Frontier, so you know exactly what they're talking about. They put out lots of albums. He goes, you did really well with that album. You need to do a follow-up. I said, you know, I only have one song left that Keith and I did together. I don't want to really do a follow-up. I, I feel like it's not a genuine thing for me to do. They said, well, what's this song? I said, well, it's nine minutes long about. I haven't really listened to it because it was too much for the last album. They, so they bugged me, bugged me. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. If I can write seven songs that I think Keith would have wanted to work on that I'm proud of, and they have to hit a few things that I needed to do to do an album, the next album, then I'll go back and revisit the song Never, which is the nine-minute piece. 857, yeah. I think it came in at. And I got the seven songs written. It took some time, but it wasn't a struggle. I went, well, part of my goal was to bridge the gap to what I might do next. So I can't just do Emerson and Barry stuff without Emerson. Right. And it can't be all keyboards, because my thing is kind of half guitar, half keyboard. And it came along pretty good. It was split down the middle. So I started work on never 
And I was actually kind of surprised what a great piece of music. I mean, Keith and I worked on it, but I just, it was half done. I didn't really pay attention to it. I had too much with the rules of change to, to deal with. And I go, wow, this is really a good piece of music. I finished it up, sent it to my manager in England. He said, this could be the best song since Desi La Vida for the progressive crowd. Mm. This is, oh, really? He goes, oh, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm surprised you passed it by. I said, well, I just kind of didn't pay attention. You know, we had enough for the last album. So all the, the points were kind of hit with this, but then it came to day before release day. And of course, I'm going, oh, I shouldn't have done this. You know, there's like one song Keith and I did. And I got all this guitar stuff. I even took a chance to start out with about a minute of acoustic Celtic guitar on this yeah. thing and heads into a song that's pretty heavy. But I wanted to take that chance and say, look, either people are going to accept me for who I am <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, throw me out. And, you know, but I felt this is kind of funny, but I felt that Paul McCartney did that when he left the Beatles. He even had a song on his album called Junk, right? And he said, I'm not the Beatles. I, his, this is what I'm going to do. Now, I didn't put any junk on here, but I did feel like I had to, if somebody wasn't going to like me, they needed to know right up front in the first 60 seconds. So anyway, it's a long story made longer. There's so much that, that sort of gets into with all of that. When you did this, and, and you sort of talked about, you know, the, the thinking behind this, you did this entire album yourself, which I just find absolutely amazing. And and I made the comment that it doesn't even sound like a solo effort. It, it really sounds more organic than that. Is is that, was that a conscious decision on your part? Was was there something that, that led you to say, I need to do all this, or I want to do this? Or is that just the way that Robert Berry works best? Well, it, it, all the above kind of, but importantly, I, I think, least to me, when uh, they asked me to do a, an album at Frontiers and they wanted a three album, that Keith was half, well, Keith was the sound of three. He mm -hmm. The keyboards were the sound and he was half the writer. And I was the voice of three and I was half the writer. So between the two of us, we kind of had the whole thing. It just so happens that I started as a keyboard player and I'm no Keith Emerson, but I had eight years of classical piano, two years of jazz, and majored in music 35 years ago in college, right? <laughs> so um, I'm capable of playing that stuff, just that I sort of left the keyboards behind as far as that complicated. But it's always amazing to me how much of Keith's sort of formations and maybe ideas are in my brain hmm. um, when I do chord things. and th He still has a unique thing that is just Emerson, and that's the beauty of the song Never. Yeah. He gets that middle section. There's no doubt that he he wrote that. And there's and there's a heavy part too. It's really heavy. Then it goes on these chord changes and stuff, and it just gives me goosebumps because that's so him, you know. And he came up with that and go, wow, that's pretty cool, Keith. But there's how many key changes, and it doesn't mm -hmm. even feel like there's a key change. It just goes. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I felt if I was like Keith and I were going to have Simon Phillips do drums uh, to the first album and. We didn't get that far. And I couldn't um, imagine having somebody else that wasn't in the band three do a three album with me. Because Keith was the sound and I was a singer and we wrote together. I kind of knew all the parts that needed to happen. So the record company said it has to be a three album. And I couldn't imagine adding somebody so that I could hone in Fun Farewell. That's a three sounding song. That's the style we came up with that has the pieces. A lot of, a lot of, half the music on the album is. So that's, that's why I did it myself. I don't really like to dissect doing it myself because I don't want people to, to listen and go, oh my God, one guy played all this. That's not important to me at all. Sure. I do that living every day at my studio. Right. That's what I do. <laughs> if you write a song and you say, I play guitar and sing, or I play trombone and sing, you come in and I listen to the song. I say, so who are you going to knock off the charts? You say, uh, Def Leppard. Trombone Def Leppard. Okay, how are we going to do that? You know, oh, gee, your song sounds like Elton John, or your song sounds like Rush, you know? And you sing like, your trombone sounds like Getty Lee. Right? <laughs> so I take those pieces, and I figure out what maximizes your effort. And then I play all the instruments so you don't have to get your buddy in the plays guitar that's going to be playing his best licks while you're trying to do your trombone solo. And your buddy that drums, it, it doesn't play like a good groove, whatever. 
I work with singer songwriters every, I work with one today, you know, and I play all the instruments for them. That's why people come to me, not to get rid of their friends and their, and their bands, but to get the foundation for their song to really support their vocal and their lyric. And that's just something that I do. So that's, that's awesome. I love it. Um, you know, question answered. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I want to ask you a couple, couple things, Robert, but I, so I want to talk a little bit about top of the world because I do, yeah. I think, oh, oh, I mean, it's such a great way to open the album, but I got to tell you, it's probably the best way I found in the last year to end every single work day, because no matter what yeah. shit is going on at work and what I'm doing, when I pop that in, I'm just ready to do whatever the next thing is. Uh, That's cool. You know, what a, what a nice comp, man. That's that, at, I got to tell you, that was a risky move on my part. And when you say things like that, again, I'm like, <laughs> wow. I mean, who, who would have thought that people would connect with it? You know? Yeah. It, it's a, it's a huge payoff, man. And, and, you know, to Joe's point, it sounds like, you know, three or four guys got in a room and, and sort of said, let's try this. Like, let's yeah, right. like, so I, I'm a little curious about your process and how, and how, how you do that. And, you know, how, you know, at which point do you go to play the drums? And because I'm amazed at how that song really sounds like a, a band put it together and curious about your process. I I've, was going through my publishing catalog the other day, yeah, like a month ago, because I had forgotten to register the album with ASCAP, right? <laughs> 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 I thought, maybe I better do that. And there was 176 songs on there. That, that has to be on albums for me to even worry about putting on ASCAP. Besides the stuff mm -hmm. I've written that I've never co copywritten or done anything with, you know, because I'm, right. I'm, every week I write something. Um, you know, I work with Greg Ken, and he's in every Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we wow. write a song. Uh, out of every month, we'll get two songs anyway. He's only in for like four hours every Thursday, so we keep the things flowing. Mm. And I thought, I looked at it, 176 songs. Wow, that's a lot of songs. Again, every day, like Randy Remo, as a drummer, a singer, came, was in today. He's finished up his album, doing the final mix. And because there was a bass part that wasn't quite, quite right on something, I pull out the bass. We're mixing, and I, I just change it. Uh, there's a keyboard part that was needed. It wasn't right. Another song, I just change it while we're mixing. So every day I'm creating something. But when I do my own stuff, I kind of do it with reckless abandonment. Mm -hmm. I'll start with, you know, this uh, didn't start with the acoustic guitar. I actually had to back up my session to put that minute and something in there because I thought, man, I want to do something. I love the Celtic stuff. Uh, I, I On tour, I did my Minstrel in the Gallery tribute song, and we did the acoustic opening. Mm -hmm. Yes. And people really liked it. You know, um, Paul Keller, my guitar player, and I, we would do the dual acoustic guitar thing. And I said, I'd sure like to have something of my own. Like, well, I mean, that was my own, but, you know, <laughs> on my album, not the Jethro Tull tribute album. And so I backed up the song to put that in the beginning of it. But the rest of it, I started writing. And see, my wife's in another room, I'll tell you. I've only told this one other place. That is the ultimate tribute to my wife, Rebecca. Um, if you've ever seen my Facebook post about her being a teacher, um, what she does on Zoom, like we are now, just just think if you were talking to me and I had no new album, didn't have a session at the studio today, and I was like Greg Ken. He comes in once a week to work with me. The rest of the time, he's at home, right? Yeah. Because you know, we can't tour. And I had nothing to say. You'd have to entertain me. You'd have to get me excited. You'd have to drag something out of me. That's her life every morning, teaching kids. She's an entertainer. She's on that stage. And boy, she never lets down. And plus, I've done more music since we've been married. The last 11 years has been the greatest time of my life. I thought, I want to do the ultimate tribute. And I haven't told her. She doesn't know. Really? And, you know, <laughs> yeah, she, well, there, there's a song about a taxi cab driver, the uh, devil of Liverpool, right? Yeah. We were in England. Oh, we were in a Beatles tour. There's a song for, you know, about he told me. She goes, did you write anything for me in this album? Uh, yeah, there's something on there somewhere. You know, you always inspire. <laughs> but she doesn't know, right? And ah. um, to me, I draw, when I, when I write a song, even uh, the song, A Bond of Union, which I wrote my mom died for her. I, I write that because I want everybody to find their, if, if their parents are special to them, 
I want them to find that. If it's not the parents, someone else that meant a lot. And I mean, I had a teacher in elementary school, third grade, the meanest teacher I ever had. And um, he inspired me to do my best work. So I was afraid of him, you know? Mm -hmm. So a bond, a union, we had a, some kind of bond there. So I always try to write things inclusive, no matter what my main point is, where people can find themselves in it. So lyrically, I'll start with stuff on my phone where I get an idea. Then I'll get in the studio and I can't tell you, I'm trying to explain my process and I don't have one because <laughs> since I play so many instruments, everything I do feeds the next thing. Hmm. You know, I'll sing a line and I'll grab the guitar or the keyboard. And so the keyboard takes me to the next chord where I'm just going, oh, and then I feel in the words a little bit off my lyrics I've written with the meaning. And then that takes me somewhere. And then I say, gee, I'd really like it to get tougher. So I go out to the drums, you know, and I put down a beat. When I get to the solo stuff, I have a very odd way of doing my solos. I play my solos, keyboard or guitar, right off the top of my head with the energy and the feeling and, and the amount of notes I want to do. But I don't worry if the notes are right. Mm. It's very strange. <laughs> I just do it. I mean, two-thirds of the notes are right. But I'm just going for it because I, I wanted to have that like it was live, like it really mm. came out of me. And there's certain yeah. things that, you know, I couldn't play some of my lead guitar stuff on stage. I can do it in the studio. It takes a real virtuoso to play some of that stuff on the spur of the moment and always write. And I'm too busy singing and moving around. And, mm. But I do it with reckless abandonment. And that's the way I put the icing on the cake. I go back. I get, you know, two-thirds on the notes are right, a couple are wrong. I fix them. Maybe I go, that phrase isn't really what I wanted. I come up with a new phrase. And then I learn it. Then I play it. So oh, it's, yeah. it's a strange process. That's I cool. That's cool. Well, while, while we've got you in that mode, that writing yeah. mode, when do you know that you have the groove? I mean, do, do, you, do you give yourself leeway to try the same progression with different grooves? Or are you kind of dialed in there as soon as you get behind the kit? When I'm doing drums, which happens, the real drum track, before any final other instruments are put on, I might have dabbled in different things to get the feeling so I can get the song written. But I pretty much know where I'm going. It's not until I get to the mix, like I did with Randy today, that I go, oh, gee, you know, I should put on a bass drum there. So I have Pro Tools, I'll just put another bass drum there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, you know, the drum tracks are real. I mean, I play drums, and, you know, and most of the time... With the grooves and what I'm doing with the drum, I, I kind of, I'm a John Bonham kind of fan. I mean, I like to relay it down solid and uh, it, it comes out the way I want it to, although it's it's work. You know, I'm not playing drums. I'm, you know, a couple of days a week, I play drums in a session, but I'm not playing out on stage, beating my brains out all the time. So I have to really get there. And I believe each each instrumentalist looks like what they play if they're a good player. You look at a drummer and he's when he hits that drum, his eyes are clenching or something, and he's moving. And you know, only Bill Buford doesn't move when he plays. Everybody, <laughs> Phil Collins, man. <laughs> Phil Collins, great drum, was all over the place. And Bonham was just laying it down like the big arms, you know. Mm. And I I sort of have to get in character for it to be what I want it to be. Also on the guitar, I love Steve Howe, I love Jeff Beck, you know. Um, I got lucky enough to work with Steve Howe and GTR and I absorb some of that that he does and that energy and the f walking scales up and all that stuff. So I'm not answering the question, but I'm having fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're loving well, it. You know, when you say you get into the role, you know, in, in Top of the World, like there are so many great vocal moments on, on Third Impression, Robert. But when you get to that, those two breaks after the instrumentals and you, yes. you come out with that heavy from on top of the world, it's just like, Wow. Well, wow. and you mentioned John Bonham, like the the drums in that that those sections just lay it down. It's so, I mean, it's so big. It's mm -hmm. it was it's so unexpected from where that song begins. It's wonderful. Yes, and, and I think that's what makes it acceptable to a progressive audience. But also, another chance I took, I like to sing a little bit fuzzy bluesy on the high end. You know my. Uh, my Lou Graham or something. Whatever. I mean, yeah. I like that, you know? Yeah, we talked about Lou Graham. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I like that, and it, it has not been the voice that I've used with three. It was clearer, 
And I just kind of went for broke and said, the things that are really me, I don't have Keith anymore. You know, I got to figure out where am I going to go next? So I got to do the things that are really me, which is sort of three meets GTR. And then you put Lou Graham, you put John Bonham, you know, you put uh, <laughs> Steve Howe, you put him in the band. <laughs> we had a call last night and we talked about, Joe, was was that your hypothesis? You mentioned, uh, or Paul, you said Lou Graham and I, yeah, who else? Paul. Yeah, I said, I said Lou Graham and John Sykes is what I felt was being, uh, being channeled. They're like, there, were, there was like the perfect amalgam of, uh, of those two, which for me is like the quintessential, you know, 80s you know, blues, blues, singer, rock sound. So I, and, I mean that in the greatest way possible. It, and there's not enough of that in progressive music, so good singers, you know. Um, not that I'm the greatest singer, but I do try to not just stick to a straight, clear melody and not put my heart and soul on it. I mean, yeah, yeah I love John Anderson, but it's, it's that English, uh, more classical melody kind of major you know, not so bluesy kind of stuff. And I just think it adds something to progressive music and maybe melodic music, I should call it more, uh, to go there a little bit. It, I don't know if it makes it fresh or it just draws from something old, but mm. it's me. It's me. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to do it, you know? <laughs> I got to do that. I, 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 I think form is in, in, ingrained in you when you talked about singing. Um, there, there, there are certain singers that take proper form. You are absolutely one of them. But prior to you, um, even someone like Chris Squire, he was a choir boy when he was young. Mm. And even in his random backup singing, you could tell he was taking proper form before he even let the air out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, your style, I, I would say you do that on guitar. Like I see you hold the pick and you have the form before you even dig in. And, 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 and I guess we appreciate that with as our music backgrounds. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I think because I, I'm in the studio five days a week working with clients too, I need to, or I, you know, I had to learn what keeps my fingers nimble, my, my voice working all the time, you know, uh, I've just had to come to a point where, I can sort of rely on what I need to do. I, I, I'm now, I was never a guy that would walk into the studio the next day, the hangover. My band guys were out partying. I was either down at the studio after a gig or I was in, asleep because I knew I had a session the next day. Mm -hmm. I've never done any drugs. I just, I'm responsible to making their music as great as I can. And when I get the chance to do my own, I got to say, I'll probably draw from everybody I've ever worked with in some way. To, to do what I what I do the way I do it, whatever that is. <laughs> and you mentioned that, I believe, in the in the blurb on the album, right? You you mentioned third impression started with with that one song, Never, that you did with Keith, but the rest of it yeah. you, you you sort of wanted to open up some of your other influences. And it really yeah. struck me listening to this because you you really do play quite the chameleon throughout this record. You know, on on going from just from top of the top of the world to what side you're on through black of night. I mean, you're just, you're all, you're, you're in a lot of different places there. Some of the things that I picked up and I was thinking about this today, it's almost like when you hear um, wine connoisseurs talk about, Oh, well this has hints of this, that, and the other thing, which, you know, I'm a chemist, so I know why that is, but I was, I was hearing things that, you know, weren't necessarily noted. And, and one of the things that really, struck me is there's there's a there's a part in in the back half of missing peace that recalls to me drama era yes which you know that wasn't on your your list anywhere but that's what i heard emotional trigger just it, talk about emotional trigger it, it triggers my emotions in a very positive way um i i love that that sort of oh i don't even know what you call it but it's absolutely delightful and it's it's not like anything else on the record, right? So no, it's a left turn, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So so you're 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 really you're, you're showcasing, I think, you know, your your range on this record, and for me, I think that really really works. And you were able to track it out in a way that it it flows seamlessly. I think I'm lucky that the songs seem to fit together only because people have said they feel the album fits together. Because I wasn't sure, especially emotional trigger. 
Um, I, that's on the album for a, a reason. You know, I don't think I said this in the booklet, but I did not mention to Keith ever about doing another three record, which we talked about before because he was so criticized in 1988, 89. But we always worked together, and I wrote maybe 12 years ago, Emotional Trigger. Mm. Well, it has nothing to do with what's going on now. It has the, the news has always been like that, you right. know? And um, it was really bothering me because I used to love watching the news. I was just getting, everybody's getting too uh, numb to school shootings and stuff. That's what really triggered it for me. On Friday, there's a school shooting. And on Monday, they're going, okay, what, what, hey, let, let, let's do this, let's do that. It disappeared really quick, you know? I thought, gee, this is is really rough, you know? And I sent it to Keith. And I said, Keith, I'd like to do an album with you. I know you love Oscar Peterson. I'd like to do an album like this, kind of cocktail jazz, whatever you want to call yeah. it, you know? And he called me back and he said, he goes, what a fantastic piece. And your voice with the no vibrato, he goes, and he mentioned some singer. He goes, I love that. He goes, I wouldn't touch that. The piano is perfect. You're playing so simple and it's so open. You could put your hands through the holes in the air. And that he goes, you should do more of this. I, I'm, I'm not going to mess this up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I just let it sit because I really had written it with Keith, his Oscar Peterson part in mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of not having any more songs with Keith and liking that song myself because I thought it was interesting the way it came out and nobody probably identifies what's going on as it getting their emotional trigger, but that's what's going on. Yeah. They're hitting the ball at our emotional trigger. I thought this is a good time to put that out. Plus it's something that Keith liked and experienced. So it means something to me, my mission on this album to still keep them alive. And at least in my heart and what I'd like to do, you know, if I may quickly. So you had mentioned previously bond of union and the lyrics being, you know, inspired by, your mother or, you know, other, you know, for my mother's death. Yeah. For for other people who can connect on that. But I I, I couldn't help but notice that bond of union is the title of the first Alliance record. Is, is, has, has that lyric been extant for that long or is it, did you just, is that a phrase that has sort of resonated with you? That was the title of the first album because the four of us got together from different bands and we thought that's kind of a cool you know title um that album didn't do much years later when keith died i wrote a song called our bond right on the spot and that was only a video of his history and that song put out on facebook and youtube um and it was again inclusive i, I knew keith but everybody i knew they knew him personally or not they thought they knew him, but they felt like they did because he was just so damn friendly. He was just such a, for being this genius, he was just such a regular guy. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm going to write something that expresses the loss everybody's feeling, our bond with Keith Emerson. And then my mom died a year and a half, two years ago. And, you know, it struck me how people had responded to our bond and I, th- I thought, you know, I always wanted to be my dad. My dad had a band. My dad had a music store. He liked cars, likes property. That's me, all that. My mom sang in my dad's band. She gave that up when I was born. And when I wanted to play a little music, beating a drum while my dad's band's practicing at four years old, she got me piano lessons at six, you know, made me practice when I didn't want to. When I really got belligerent, she got the teacher to teach me boogie woogie, which I loved, right? <laughs> in the uh, seventh grade, eighth grade. And then when I just didn't want to do that, she got me jazz piano as a freshman and sophomore in high school. She was always like right behind me watching the things that I liked, not pushing me, but supporting me. And when I wanted to sing, she got me a singing teacher. He wound up being the president of San Jose State University, where I majored in music. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's always right there. And that that bond that a mother and a father have with their child, um, th- there's a lot of uh, commitment, but a lot of things you give up. I mean, I have two kids yeah. myself, you know, hmm. and, and I just I had to write that song for her. I never got to sing at her funeral and um, it was not going to never be heard by anybody. So I made that a tribute to her because this being the last three album. I wanted it to have something really special and personal to me besides the Keith stuff. And 
when Frontiers picked it as the second song to do a video to, I was like, I was surprised because I thought they're going to say this is like a Phil Collins ballad. It's a little bit syrupy. We don't want it on the album, right? Uh -huh. Not at all. And I thought the audience was going to say that. And because the video is a lyric video, but it was a masterpiece of emotion. Uh, Bernie up on the Austrian hills, this guy does such incredible work. He got that to me, and I couldn't believe the job he did. And when the audience listeners saw it and heard it, I think it disarmed them that it was a, just a ballad. Of course, it has a little Moog solo in the middle. That always helps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the album is so good. You held to your character, and you you, you held to your vision. And, and I guess it's it, it's possible for 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 artists to kind of you know become experimental and maybe go outside of their vision. So right now there is more new music being released. Than, oh my god! I mean the the yeah. floodgates are opening from from the past year of everyone being I guess sequestered and and recording, but yeah. we we do end up talking to a lot of different individuals here, and and a lot of them are doing their own thing. They're in their own shop. They don't have a label. They're they're cranking stuff out on Bandcamp. You know, they they get inspired and, you know, and a week later they have an album and boom, it's it, they're releasing it. Sure. And I, I, I wonder if you could you could share like a little bit about, you know, behind the curtain of of, you know, what is it like in 2021 working with a legit record label? Um, and at what exact moment did you guys say, yeah, you know what? Let's blow up a space station in the sky for this video. <laughs> You know, I, it, this is a really good question because Frontiers scared me last album. Then nothing was going on uh, about three weeks before the rules had changed. So I hired my own PR guy. Mm. I figured, well, I'll add a little fuel to fire. No big deal. Well, they were very unhappy with that. <laughs> and they, I'm just going to say it. They cut me off. Everything that happened was organic with that album. And then they called and said, wow, that album did really well. Mm. And I said, I won't make the same mistake. I won't get my own guy. I'm going to go with your complete team. What do you guys want to do? And they said, well, we need to do a video. And we pick Fond Farewell for the first song. So they said, we're going to do this. And I came up with a video idea where it's really about a fond farewell to kindness and um, being civil to people. That's what it's really about. I think, you know, I, I don't know if I can say the F word in your show or not, but you yeah, know, when I was little, explicit. okay, <laughs> I, I couldn't say shit to my parents. I wouldn't say shit to my parents. Right. right. I wouldn't say damn shit. I wouldn't say anything. I, I was respectful. I knew that that was, well, my, my son and my daughter, oh, fuck this, fuck that. Right. It's, <laughs> it's just a word. It's like green. Oh, well, green this green that. Hey, it's the blue album. It's the blue three album. Well, fuck that. You know? <laughs> so I think if people remain online being the way they are, and not being kind in 10 years, 15 years, that's going to be the norm. Yeah. And that really bothers me because I, you know, I, I, I want everybody to like me, but more importantly, I I'd rather be good to you than if you're not going to be good to me, that's your problem, but I'm going to be good to you because it's going to kill me for, I'll be awake for two weeks and my bad to you. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear more of that and people be more respectful. If you and I disagree, I feel like, well, there's another song about this, but I feel like I have to at least understand why you, you damn idiot, could believe that, right? <laughs> right. That's all. Then right. I have the right to have my opinion. But this kindness thing really bothers me, and I'm hoping in 10, 15 years that it's not the norm because it's almost the norm now. We got to wake up. We're saying a fond farewell. So I had a gambling thing. I was going to have these three big screens, but huge screens with cards that had you know, like Hitler and Mussolini, and then they had love and, you know, and whatever I was thinking, if it was good, it would come up with a good thing. If it was bad, it'd be the, the bad guys. It, and it was just the threat of an idea. Of course, they needed more. Well, they hated it at Frontiers. We don't like this gambling thing. I said, well, it's not really a gambling thing. It's a social commentary, and it's going to be pretty heavy. There'll maybe Vietnam the movie, whatever it is, you know, there'll be stuff, you know, it'll be really, it'll be as a piece, you know, we don't like it. I said, well, why don't you come up with something? And they sent me that damn video. And I went, holy shit, excuse my language. <laughs> I was like, it, first of all, um, they're getting more into progressive music. And something I never thought of, and I should have, because I know it, sci-fi is big with prog fans. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. I mean, 
I did that series for the Wheel of Time. The books, do you know Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time? There, it's a whole other world, super heavy. It's amazingly deep. People read this stuff. They know everything. It has nothing to do with the world we know, and it's a whole world that works. Prague fans like that stuff. And they hit it on the head when I saw that. There's only one thing missing. The happy-go-lucky guy was happy-go-lucky all the way till the girl. He saw the spaceship blow up. And then the girl walks in, he's happy, right? I said, I think that guy needs to be despondent at one point. He's the last guy left. I mean, that's yeah. it. So, and they said, yeah, yeah, we get that. So they put in where he turns off the monitor. That wasn't in it before. He just turns off that oscilloscope. Call, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it's, that's it, it's done. Then the girl comes in, right? And to me, that made the video. I mean, that made it, he finally lost hope. Yeah. And uh, but that was all frontiers. Amazing! Yeah. I'm so glad I followed their lead. I got my manager Nick uh, got Bernie to do the um, a Bond of Union video uh, lyric video, but it almost seemed like a video. That was our choice. But again, Bernie's idea—it's it, just amazing the way he brought that alive. It was something. So I can take no credit for that stuff, <laughs> except for to inspire them to do the work they do. I guess yeah. with the lyrics, I send them the lyrics and tell them what it was about from my point of view, why I wrote it. But I always told them, I said, if you see something else in it, you hear something else in it, which the last guy on earth, that yeah. was something different than I had yeah. planned, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, having seen you at the Kennet Flash and then Prague Stock shortly thereafter, yeah, that that would have been the end of uh, 2019, right? Um, yep. Time flies when you're when you're yeah. under lockdown. So <laughs> I have to ask if if there's video from Prague Stock in and what you might be doing with any of that video. I have been too busy to finish it. I have mixed. I'm about two thirds of the way through the mix. I have all the video pieces stuck together. It was like 12 cameras. It's going to a guy in New York to put it together. I'm hopeful by June that that's going to be available because that's really up till now, a third impression. That's sort of my whole history in music, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, including the um, tribute songs, right? So it's, uh, it, it sounds really good. Uh, I'm not thrilled with the, the, the camera work and stuff, but it is a, a video, live video, so it doesn't have to be like a fun farewell or anything. But... <laughs> Yeah, boy, I tell you, we were supposed to be in, in Europe last year with the same tour. Big, big train. Yes, yeah, and that, that would have be. been my first time under my own name, which I'm not that comfortable having my name up there. Come see Robert Berry. It's, it's not about that. It's about the music for me. But the band, oh, my band was so good. And for us to do that history of music, you know, and be able to, to claim that version of Carnival 9 that Jordan Rudis and I did and yeah. Simon Phillips. And... The, the version of Roundabout that Steve Howe actually played the end with me. I mean, I have ownership in that, so it's not like being like a cover band or something, plus all the other stuff, you know. It was really something here in the U.S., and I would have loved to gone to Europe and play it. Ah, th that Roundabout lick, that opening lick is so infectious. Dude, did yeah. it that is amazing. That I just hear that little lick follow me around sometimes. I have a letter from Steve Howe. Because I at that time, we were sending ADAT tapes back and forth, which is digital recording on videotape, right? He had an ADAT machine. And I asked him if, if he'd play the end for me. But I sent him the whole song. He goes, yeah, I'll play the end. I did it in D. And the song's in E. Now, yeah. you, you heard Prodstock, so you know this. But I got a letter back, that's, and Steve said uh, it was a fax. There was no email right at that point, I guess. It was fax. He said, you know, the song's in E, but you did it in D. He goes, I have to tell you, I love the bass line. It kicks the original bass line all around. I'm like, he, he, he likes the, my bass line better than Chris Squire's. That can't be. No, no, no. It, but then he said, as was, as is. You'll see. And I got his recording back. And he went from my key D, dun, 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 to D sharp, dun, 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 to E. And he ended it as was, as is, any. Uh, oh, beautiful. It, it, we didn't do that live. We did the D ending and then took a breath and bit a big old E chord. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
God, that, 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 I have to ask if I, the original three album is so good. I, I was just thinking about that. You working with Steve Howe and, and G- GTR and how you segued to, uh, you know, uh, Keith yeah. and uh, Palmer. But, but, but I have to ask, like, if you did happen to be on a GTR album, it would have sounded a little bit like the three debut, which, which bl- there are so many hits on that or potential hits on that three debut. I mean, really, you would have blown GTR right up, like, like reblown them up. It would have been really interesting to hear. You know, GTR did talking about, I had written that in the GTR time, Steve Howe did like going for the one that went bow, 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 you know, going for the one vibrato arm thing. Oh yeah. And so we, I, there's a version of that. And of course, no one else to blame. I wrote with Steve love. We share what with Steve, this, these, those three songs and a song called, um, <clears throat> listen, not listen to the music as Doobie brothers. Um, yeah. gotta save the music or something now. Oh, listen to the people. It's called that. Those four, were songs that were really strong. Uh, I put Listen to the People on a, my solo album for Frontiers some years back. I don't know if anybody's heard talking about GTR. I feel like my style from here on out, and, and some of the style on, on this album is Three Meets GTR. It's just, I kind of like the Jeff Beck guitar tone a little bit better than Steve's, although it, honestly, Yes was my favorite band. I love them, you know. Great guitar work on this album. You went a little more. In fact, the keys, um, when I just jam along, get, take a guitar and play along, n- not that I can because you have so many keys, <laughs> it's impossible, but to the extent that I can even pretend to jam with this album, like you wrote in a lot of guitar keys, like, 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 like you know, D and that, that, that yeah. still the night that's like this beautiful, powerful. D Mixolydian, it's all very guitar friendly. So, yeah, did you write with guitar on this one? Some of it I did. You know, D is a good key for my voice. I, I A's my top note comfortably, the fifth of D, you know, octave up. Yeah. And um, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in D because I, it, you learn how to write for your own singing. You know, my first professional band, Hush. I didn't know how to write for my voice. There's a couple songs that turned out okay. Hollywood's like a nine minute piece. That's pretty cool. But I sound like Mickey Mouse. I didn't know how to write for me. We did three albums of Hush. None of my vocals, the bass player in that band had a much better voice. It wasn't until I took all the songs that Hush couldn't do that are in my drawer and put them on an album called Back to Back, which was my first solo album, because I got free pressing of an album uh, from my studio. They're going to press the vinyl in Taiwan for me, 100, 300 copies for free to get my business. So I took all the songs I would never use, all the junky stuff, and all the things that were kind of had a groove and had a heavier guitar, whatever it was, had all these keyboard things. And I put them on an album, and my friend sent it around, and Herbie Herbert from Journey became my manager from that album. And oh, wow. I had learned that the songs that I wrote that were more personal and had that little more bluesy kind of voice and weren't the whatever hush did fit my voice better so it, it was an eye-opening experience I went, oh you know that's that's how i can sing i need to be a little more paul rogers when i do things you oh, know good I, yeah I, you know i i'm not a john anderson let's say and i love his voice don't get me wrong but i i'm not that and i was classically trained but i don't want to be all major kind of you know, the English, the European classical major kind of sounding thing. I want to get a little bluesier, even in my major stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I developed a voice that I could stand listening to. Alliance had a lot to do with that. Because Gary Peel, fantastic guitar player, he makes up all these Keith Richards kind of riffs. And we would write the song from those riffs. And, you know, he wasn't a guy that played the major or minor third. He plays the root and fifth, like sort of the power chord, but he's making up all these parts around it. So yeah. I could sing sort of bluesy, even if it was a major song. And little by little, go, man, you know, my voice in Alliance is different than even my voice in, in three. And this this album, I I think I've I've just landed. You know, I, I work who I am, what I am, whatever it is. 
if you don't like it, you're not going to like what happens from here on out. If you like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, I like it. So <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> you you had you had mentioned though that third impression being the last three album, but yeah. you're also saying that you know if you don't like this, you're not going to like what comes next. Is is your plan then to to move forward as a as as a unified Robert Barry, as it were, and and leaving the three point two moniker behind, but keeping that outlook and that you know sort of tonality that we have on third impression? You probably won't ever get a fond farewell or a powerful man or the things that are all keyboard. Sure. But the stuff that sort of met three halfway and moved on to the other other stuff, you know, whatever it is, uh, more guitar, keyboard oriented, half and half. Th that's what it's going to be. I'm actually um, writing and, and working on something now um, that I'm dying to talk about, but I can't. Oh, and I hate that. <laughs> it's, I know. Well, I hate it too, but it's just so, it's so amazing to me. I don't know how, why I get so lucky. I, I've had people interview me and say, how do you feel about not really being as successful as I think you should be? Well, <laughs> you know, a lot of guys, Steve Perry was super successful, wasn't he? His last album was okay, but he didn't really have, he couldn't get it up for a long time and he's still not, it's not staying up. <laughs> so I mean, you get huge success and sometimes you sort of, either you dry up or you get complacent. And I feel like, I've been successful enough to make a living at it and stay in it and always strive to do my Sergeant Peppers, whatever that is, right? Okay. My, my best work. And so far, people are almost universally saying, this album is my best work. And it's closest to what I would do more on my own. But the next thing isn't by myself. And uh, I haven't even... I, I just can't hold it. I, I'm not going to tell you more than that, but I haven't even said that to anybody. Ooh. It's uh, really pretty amazing. It's that a guy you would never expect to work with anybody else that uh, is my writing and, and band partner. And uh, it's, it's going to be really amazing. I'm just blown away by the writing of this thing. Anyway, <laughs> well, get it. We, we, hope, we hope that when you can talk about it, you can talk about it with us. Because <laughs> we, well, we want to hear <laughs> Definitely, it's. Um, I think there's going to be a bidding war for this one. I, I you know, I, it's going to awesome. I don't know. I'm. I am so into third impression, and I'm so thankful that people like it so much. It, it's it's so rewarding that I, I can't even. That's why I haven't really talked about it or anything. The next thing because that's for next year. Yeah, I, this this is alive. Now, you know, I definitely think you should. You know relish in in this album because i i do think it's something special um, I, I appreciate it i i uh cherish the fact that there's three of these albums that have the same cover they're all different I, they I, all yeah. have a, enough of keith on them for carl's only on the first one that's okay he didn't want to do anything else and i uh, love him to death i understand he's keeping the torch of yelp the, the flame alive but for me this is a body of work that started with a certain thing and has ended with, I feel as good as it as good as it can get. Not as good as it could have got. I think it's it's just I felt inspired lyrically. It, I still feel that Keith, up until the point I put never out, Keith was alive in my studio because nobody had heard that song. I had a little piece of him all on my own there. And another reason I didn't really want to do an album is. You know, it's it's just bittersweet. You know that yeah. that's all I have. Yeah, he's uh, you know, I'm I'm done. There's no more Keith Emerson and me stuff. But <laughs> it's it's a package, and I wish that Frontiers owned the first one because I'd love for them to do a special deal oh, that with the great. three. You know, yeah, I pressed man. the vinyl on the the second one. The rules had changed myself because I really wanted to have it all hands on. I'm talking to him now about doing the vinyl on this one i did 300 on the rules that changed and i only sold 200 of them because i don't promote it i mean i'm not telling you this to, to sell albums i never really promoted the album stuff so people want it they'll find it you know how you guys are right and <laughs> i've got one <laughs> they're all on my website and if they want to buy them they'll, they'll buy them but i'm not going to say hey buy this album it's not what i'm about but 
for me, it was a, a prize to have a 12 inch vinyl album of that. Yeah. And I have to have one on this because, well, the three CDs look nice together, but the three album covers, I just feel really proud of it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to say it was, it might've been on your Instagram feed. There was, I, I've seen a picture recently of the three of them sort of stacked up yeah. on top of each other. And it, it is such a striking visual that, you know, obviously, you know, it was a conscious decision, presumably, yeah. to keep that, you know, that that motif and just change the color scheme. And it, it I think it's absolutely, it, it's very yeah. powerful. And it's, you know, you would think maybe from the three, the original three being, you know, in the mid 80s that it would be dated, but it actually isn't. I think it's it's almost a timeless look. So I, I think advertising itself, you look at Life magazine, People magazine, they're so block and so simple. I mean, even if they're a little bit round, you know, it's simple uh, logos for those things. Uh, newspapers usually are fairly simple. It simple has a timeless thing to it. Fancy comes and goes. You know, yeah. you know, cars go, cars are round for a while, then they're square for a while. And you can always tell which era they're from. Oh, yeah, that's the BMW from the, the 70s, that old square box or, you yeah. know, and magazines and, and, and publications and stuff. There's a lot of block printing on, you know, and the headings anyway. Three is block. The colors are, are fairly bold. There's a new one right now that uh, someone made for me with the three album covers. I'm trying to figure out a T-shirt design, and I don't want to have a T-shirt with the big album cover in the front. I just maybe want to have the three albums overlapped on a pocket design, maybe with the three in gold. Oh. Just something that looks like, yeah. the end, you know, and that's not fancy, but it looks... I don't know. It looks right to me. It's it's the end ah. of something that was so important. Like the a little three shirts are so good. The, the the one that I have with the chess pieces. I mean, yes. you, you picked a great shirt. It fits really well, and it good. just just has such a classy logo. I, I've gotten com compliments on that from people that you know cl clearly haven't heard the music, but it's just a, a great shirt. So keep that I up. Was if you do another one. Well, it, the girl that's trying to design one now designed that. And I, I told her, I just said, look, I don't want someone uh, had the, the three logo on a T-shirt they sent me, you know, and I don't want just the album covering a big square on the T-shirt. I, I it's just there's nothing special about it. And she did a couple designs and then she sent that chess piece thing and they were falling over. And the rules had changed. I was like, oh, my God, that's genius. That that it, that feels like the music sort of, you know, and what happened with Keith, that feels like it. I was very pleased we third impression doesn't give you the i don't know the the artistic freedom what <laughs> third impression they say what are we going to make for that you know yeah. three three feet in the cement <laughs> <laughs> um oh boy. i don't know if we're winding down a little bit but um uh uh, uh, uh I, I did i did have like one big question i was saving and i'll just, I'll just put it out there now but um sure. you know uh Assuming that, that something ramps up again, whether that's, you know, the end of 2021 or 2022 or heaven forbid 2023, um, you know, do you think Jimmy Keegan, Paul Keller and Andrew, Andrew Collier are, uh, you know, still going to be available or are you ready to be flexible to bring in whoever you can? How, how do you strategize bringing this band to life? You know, everybody has the same problem all to the biggest bands in the world with the road crews, lighting, PL, that stuff, the sound companies. You know, once the thing hits again, people can be scurrying for work, especially the sound and the lighting that the, the roadies. I mean, they're dying on the vine. You know, they have nothing. Yeah. And they're going to take whatever looks good. And there's going to be a feeding frenzy for for people to do the work. I know the Andrew Collier, if he doesn't stop calling me all the time about when's the next tour, I'm going <laughs> to have to block the phone. Now, that, Andrew is amazing. He played everything that I've ever done, worked with. He played the Jordan Ruta stuff, the Keith Emerson stuff, the Jeff Dow stuff. He was amazing. He is a totally driven guy. He's ready. If I said, well, Andrew, uh, next Monday they want us in uh, Syracuse, you know, I'll be there. <laughs> I got to practice all weekend. He'd have it. And he has the toughest job. Uh, Jimmy, I think will go out. Jimmy um, is a little more of a hired gun. Andrew's a piece of it. He he really is is embedded in it. Uh, Jimmy, I think is. 
but if he had something else going on because you know his little Spock's beard thing he was with, and yeah, he had pattern seeking animals, and yeah, yeah the pattern seeking animals thing, they they think they're going to do some stuff. So um, it's another new band that I, I don't know what the market's like. It's hard enough for me, and I'm not a new new band, you know. But they got some good players, and they've released a couple albums. So if he can do it, I need him. He's got that high <laughs> voice. Got a great can't voice do, too. <laughs> come on, you can't do roundabout without him singing a high part. Let me tell you. Yeah. And some of my other songs too. It takes that high voice. Uh, Paul Keller, I'm and Paul's my longtime friend and guitar player here in town. I'm afraid that Paul might not go out into the virus infested world ever again. So I'm not sure. Mm. Um, right. It just depends on feeling about his, his safety. I'm a guy, look, I'm the singer. I've lived like a singer 35 years. I have Purell in my pocket from that tour. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you would have sneezed, I'd be running away from you. I'm always germaphobic because I can't afford not to sing. I wear a mask inside. I don't wear one when I'm walking down the street. I feel that if a little something, if I can get a little herd immunity in some way, even though I don't want to be around anybody, but I need to take in this stuff. My body can do it. Um, although I'm very careful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah, just throwing yeah, sure. caution to the wind here. But there's a happy medium that I believe is going to, in the long run, besides a vaccine, that's going to make us safe. So I'm hoping that I'm right about that. Um, my stepdaughter who lives with this is a COVID nurse. She uh, does fantastic things. I'm so proud of her. She says the COVID patients, until they get incubated, are her best patients because they're happy. They don't, they're not really in bad shape. They can talk. They can go to the bathroom. It's when you let it go too long and you don't take a little something to stop it that then they go to the ICU and that's the bad place. So she's really there stopping this from going to ICU. And I'm, I'm just proud of her. And I'm really open about it. I don't want to get it, but... I'm not going to live my life totally isolated. Paul, I'm not sure if he'll come out. I hope he will. I yeah. mean, it's rough for all of us. And we don't want to get too downer on this stinking virus thing, but we're hoping some of these projections for this year are right. And at least by the end of the year, I'm thinking that a small club, 150-seater, might be able to have shows in there, which I'd be able to do. Um, but a 5,000-seater, I don't think people are going to go out and sit with the uh, 4,999 other people quite yet, not till 22. That's my theory anyway, but I have nothing to base it on, you know. And, and we were we were having similar conversations again, not knowing, you know, how that's going to work. I, I, do, I, I do think we need to probably wrap this up because we've taken a lot of your time, and, yeah. and I do appreciate that. Well, you guys are so damn interesting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> is is it me. Wednesday yet? Yeah, we, we, that's that's the way these recording sessions usually go for us. That's why our, yeah. our episodes keep getting longer and longer. I do want to 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 give you one last little bit of kudos because uh -oh. we here at Progressive Palaver, um, and, and this is a maybe an offensive term, but it's it's one that we use fondly. We are big fans of guitar porn. And so, Robert, your oh, webpage, yes. robertberry.com, <laughs> has the most spectacular guitar porn page I have ever seen. And so I want to thank you for that. It's very nice that you share everything that you have at your disposal. And it's it's really fun to be able to kind of scroll through and look at all that. <laughs> yeah, you can still find that, right? I mean, I yeah. can find it sort of back through it, but... It's not easy to find on there now, I don't think. No, it's it's pretty easy actually. I, I just easy I, to find. I, I just pulled it up. Um, if, you, if you if you're on your homepage and you go to the about tab, there's a there's a guitars option, and boom, there oh. it is. So well, there you go. I, I, I now, recommend I, I recommend everyone who's listening go to robertberry.com and check out his guitar porn page. I have <laughs> ten, ten that aren't on there. Oh, you've got oh, my God. <laughs> I, I got to stop. A couple of them are so amazing. And I forget the name. It's, a, it's something phonics. Um, it's a guitar that has speakers built in and the modeler and everything. Mm -hmm. I, know it, I love this guitar. It sounds so good. The modeling so good. It has a delay in it. It has a chorus in it. has three different amp things in it. But the speakers make it where it'll feed back. Then it has a place you can plug your iPhone in so you can play the tracks. And then, of course, a headphone slot, too, if you want to use wired headphones. And wow. the thing's graphite, so no one can really hear much. You can mm. sit there with your wife watching TV, playing that thing, and no one's going to say, turn that down, right? <laughs> it's, 
um, I wish it's something, something phonics. I should know. Uh, that's a great one. And I have a couple other ones that uh, I'll try to get them on there. Uh, you take a look there. I'm, I can't help myself. You know, that five string Steinberger bass. I bought five basses trying to find a bass for the tour. Nothing worked for me to be able to play that complicated stuff and sing. So finally, I pulled my old three Steinberger bass out and went, God, that neck. Oh. Mm -hmm. And it was a four string. And it wound up, I wanted a narrow neck nut-wise, but I didn't want it flat. I needed it deeper. So the Steinberger had a deeper round curve to it, even though it had a narrow neck. So I got a five-string Steinberger and had that same narrow neck mm -hmm. with the deeper curve. It was perfect. So I'm learning all the time about guitars. I need to buy a couple more, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, is that what you bought after we interviewed Robert? You, 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 did you get the four or the five? I've got the five, yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. See, Robert, you're, it's a trend. You're, you're yeah. I, I'm going to have to call him and get a, I think there was the Gibson that Steinberg, get, get a commission, huh? Yeah, maybe you should. I actually, <laughs> I should be getting a deal. In, in, I should in, be getting in, a deal. In the pandemic, I bought, I bought the five string, the, the Steinberger five string bass, and then I couldn't help myself. So I bought the, uh, the six string guitar as well. So I've got a, a set now. They, are they they graphite necks or are they wood necks? They're they're just they're the wood necks. I I don't have wood the necks. cash for graphite necks. <laughs> it's still a, a great guitar though. Yeah, it really it's still a fine guitar, you know. But uh, no. all right, well, thank you so much, Robert. Um, this has been absolutely spectacular. It, it's it's everything we could have hoped for. And again, congratulations on not only having a spectacular album, but for having it perform, you know, so well out of the gate. We we think that's spectacular. Yeah, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm thankful. I, I appreciate what you guys have said. I mean, now I have to go to sleep later tonight. I'm going to be thinking, oh, wow, man, this is, you know, how am I going to top this? <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a lot of homework after this, this, this because now I got to get the three hush. I, I never managed to score those. Uh, I, I, one, one of your buddies, I was trolling on Facebook today, and it says, I need to get the uh, album that you did when you were 17. And of course, oh, I told you. <laughs> oh, I hope you don't get that one. <laughs> and you know, I got to say, there's a guy that has four of them. He wants 150 bucks a piece for them. It's not worth that. You're not going to buy it for that. And it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, it, you at least got to give us the Prog Sock DVD. I'll, I'll bargain with you there. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a good one. It, honestly, you know, one of the best albums that no one can get of mine is the uh, uh, Taking It Back out of Germany. That was when I was playing Sammy Hagar. It's a real heavy album, and um, it's almost impossible to get. But uh, there's a couple out there that people don't know about. That are was that anyway. David Lauser and Gary Peel on that one? No. <laughs> That's, it's just me. And oh, wow. It's, um, they asked me to do it. They were a record company. What was the name of them? It was like New York Records or something out of, out of Germany, and they put it out. And then it went broke like three months later, and it just disappeared. That's oh, how few well. I sold. <laughs> now we know what to look for. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. And, and, I appreciate right. it, really. I, I, you've, you've really thrilled me with your comments, and I feel like you, you mean it, and you're music lovers and musicians, which makes it even that much better for me, because uh, musicians can be the harshest critics. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, you should read our text sometimes. Not about you, but about other people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. so um, yeah, again, thank you very much, Robert. And again, for all of our listeners, um, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions about Robert and his music, um, please feel free to reach out to us. We're available on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at ProgPaul on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Um, Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and Pandora, and presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.